0: So, I think for most of you who have been attending and have been listening, you guys have been very much, um, hopefully it's been revealing more things to you rather than just running through the line, right? So, um, because that's the whole intention for us as we go through verse by verse is that we get as much as we can from every lesson that God gives us. Shield of faith. Now, in a world that promotes and teaches and celebrates anything and everything that is opposite of what the Bible teaches us, right? We're in a world that does that. The battles that we face are and have been and will continue to be fierce and intense and it will burn the enemy's favorite weapon against the people of God is doubt. Did God really say? Now the shield of faith is to protect us from the fiery arrows of the devil, and we are to take this seriously. Amen? But before I begin uh, to my lesson here, let's say a quick word of prayer. Father, we thank you once again for the songs that we're saying, for the people that you've provided here tonight, for with your sovereign hand protecting us, bringing us here. And we thank you for the privilege and honor that we are still able to gather and learn about your word. Father, may you bless us and guide us. Protect us and open the eyes of our hearts. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 So we're tackling verse 16 tonight. Verse 16 is, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Now, there, here's a description of the shield. the shield. The Roman shield is made of goat skin or calf skin stretched over strong pieces of wood. And the size is four feet long and three feet wide. It's like a door. Iron rims were fitted along the top and the bottom edges an iron circle was attached to the center of the shield. Now, it's been said it's so big that the wives of the soldiers will tell their husbands, make sure you go home with your shield, not on your shield. Before going to battle, the Roman soldier soaked their leather-covered shield into the water. When the fiery arrows of the enemy struck those soaked shields, the flames were immediately extinguished. As the soldiers held it before him, it protected him from spears, arrows, and fiery darts. Because the military strategy before, and I'm pretty sure Brother Roe would be the better guy to explain this, but the attack goes, and we've seen movies like that, they depicted it, right? Arrows first in order to take out as many as they can and then come the charge for a hand-to-hand battle. Remember, we tackled that before. Um, But because in Paul's days, those arrows were dipped in in some inflammable substance and ignited and then were shot at the enemy. Now, did those enemy, did the enemy try to, when they shoot those fiery darts, are they just joking? Were they just playing around? No, they were there to hurt, kill, and destroy, correct? Now, it's the same thing with the enemy. And I know we've been talking about it. We've been talking about it. That's why there's been many attacks. <laughs> because I've been really talking about Satan and his, and his ways. And for me personally, the attacks hasn't stopped. And um, But anyway, tonight we will try to answer the question, why do we need the shield of faith? Why do we need the shield of faith? Now, Satan shoots flaming arrows at our hearts. And our minds, if we do not quench these darts by faith, they will light a fire within, within us, and then we will disobey God. We never know when Satan shoot a dart at us. We never know it. So we must always ask, We must always walk by faith and use the shield of faith. Now. I'm going to go back to this later, but I'm going to mention right now that the edges of the shield were designed in a way that they could be interlocked together with other shields. A row of soldiers could kneel beside each other, locked in, and literally form a wall. Now, the the first observation that I have here is, is the word above all. I know in some versions it doesn't have that, but this is in the New King James, above all. Now, I want us to review the other pieces, because it says, above all, the shield of faith. So what have we tackled? The breastplate of righteousness. When you put on the breastplate of righteousness, you are putting on your faith in the God of righteousness. And We discussed um, two, two Sundays ago, shoes of the gospel of peace. Standing and planting ourselves in peace because of the good news about Jesus Christ. And then the other one was the belt of truth. There is no truth outside of God, who is the truth and nothing else. And the truth, which is the belt of truth, holds the full armor together. Now God, through Paul, tells us, above all, above all, it tells me that the shield is the one that protects the rest of the armor, at least in the front. It is the operating force which makes the rest possible. When properly placed, says the shield will quench all the fiery darts of Satan. So the devil has no strategy, tactic, or device that the shield of faith cannot defeat. Are we seeing that? That's what I'm seeing. Now, don't get me wrong. Every piece of the armor is important, and it's crucial for the believer to stand, right? Stand against the attacks of the enemy. But in verse 16, God is telling us that our faith in Him is our shield from the fiery darts. A shield not made of leather and wood, but a shield of faith. In times of trials and temptations, our faith can provide that protection we need. Because in the times of trials and temptations, that's when the enemy throws his fiery darts. And his fiery darts are are the truth, right? No, they're the lies, right? They're lies. Lies about us. Lies about God. And the shield of faith, not faith for faith alone, but faith in Christ and Christ alone. That is what the shield of faith is. Above all. Taking the shield of faith. Now we again, I mentioned this many Sundays ago that we have to put on the full armor. Now, as you're, you have the full armor, it's saying here that we are to take the shield. Right? We have to take up the shield. Now, to apply this, we have to see. Now, to apply this, we have to see what faith is, and certain fiery darts that the enemy generally uses against us. Now, for the faith part, we will have to look at the book of Hebrews, the definition of faith. Hebrews 11.1 has it. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Faith means to have confidence, certainty, trust, belief, and assurance. Faith in God. Not faith in faith, but faith in God. Faith in God means that you have confidence in Him. You are certain that you can rely on Him. Your trust, You trust His word. You trust His promises. You believe on His plan and you believe in His will. And you have the assurance that God would do what He promised to do. That's faith. Now, at the close of World War II, the Allied forces were searching abandoned homes and cars. They entered the basement of a house in ruins. A Jew had spent time in there, a victim of the Holocaust. Scratched into the wall were these words, I believe in the sun even when it does not shine. I believe in love even when it's not shown. And I believe in God, even when He does not speak. Faith has nothing to do with appearances. Faith has nothing to do with our feelings. Faith is the evidence of things unseen or not seen. Faith is the evidence of the things that we don't feel at the moment. Appearance may say that God is nowhere to be found. Feelings might say that God doesn't care. But faith says he will never leave me nor forsake me. Appearance and feelings may say that God is nowhere to be found. that He doesn't care about what you're feeling. But faith says even the hairs of my head are even numbered. God is in full control. Appearance told his disciples, there's no need to fish any longer. We've tried all night in vain. But faith says, launch out into the deep, cast your net to the other side, because Jesus said so. That's what faith is. Faith, Faith is things that doesn't make sense with our common sense. Faith is even if we don't feel like it, Because we know God said it, we do it. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Why is God pleased whenever we have faith? You know, we cannot see Him. Why is He pleased that we believe in Him despite the fact that we haven't seen Him. Faith enables us to believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him even though we haven't seen Him. Someone said it is one thing to boldly proclaim that God can do. It is quite another to actually trust that God will do what He has promised, especially at times of trouble. Now, there's two types of faith. Uh, First, faith is the saving faith faith that leads to our salvation, our faith on what Christ did on the cross for all of us, our faith that God alone can forgive and save us. The second faith is practical faith faith that enables us to have confidence and certainty in times of difficulties, faith that leads to our obedience. That's practical faith. Faith that believes that God will do what he said and promised to do. That's practical faith. Again, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. If I lose you in the next few minutes, the shield of faith is this. It is to extinguish the lies of the enemy when he throws it at you. Lies about yourself, lies about who God is, how good God is, and that God loves you. That's what the shield of faith is. Now, what are the fiery darts or flaming arrows that Paul is referring to? First one is the worry about life. Worry about life. I believe that our church, most of us, if not all of us, worry about life. Matthew 6, 25 Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Worry is mental distress or agitation resulting from too much concern, usually from something impending or anticipated, like the recession, right? and An abnormal And an overwhelming sense of apprehension marked by psychological signs of sweating, tension, and increased pulse. For some, pimples. (laughs) If left unmanaged, it leads to GAD. You know what GAD is? I didn't say that incorrectly. It's G-A-D. It's not, oh my God. It's, oh my GAD. GAD is generalized anxiety disorder. A disorder characterized by diffuse and chronic worrying of almost everything about an ordinary life. Oh my gosh, it's morning already. What am I going to eat? And you cook something for breakfast and you're like, I wonder if my husband's going to like it. And then you go to work, you're like, I wonder if my, I, I, I worry if my boss is going to be nice to me today. Oh my goodness, they're nice to me. Why? Why are they nice? This never, it's never been like this. What's going on? <laughs> Yes, that's the worry. That's the God syndrome, right? Worrying to some extent is normal. Let's just be fair. Worrying to some extent is normal because it is our radar. It's our radar, our gauge that we must be responsible. We must be cautious and proactive. But when it comes to becoming too much, it becomes unhealthy. It results in insomnia, restlessness, Sleep, sleep disturbances, tension, headaches, and everything else. And our examples here are the economic crisis, loss of a job, education of our children, decline in our business opportunities, and everything else that we say. Ah, I don't know. I'm going to have to help my family again. We worry about that too, right? Everything. But in Matthew six twenty-seven to thirty reads. You have a whole storage that you haven't used. That's Joe (laughs) 3-5. Do you know why the devil strikes us with the arrow of worrying? Because we worry, we, we choke the word of God, and it fails to accomplish its purpose in our lives. Hope and confidence. Remember in Matthew 13, 22, Jesus spoke about it. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. We work so much, why? Because we spent so much. We work so much, why? Because we want so much. And then when we work too much, we say, I'm stressed out. I need God. I don't know where he is. He's neglecting me. I'm not growing in my faith. My relationships are in shambles. Why? Because we neglected God to begin with. But then we worry. Don't you find it odd that despite the many hours that you work, you still worry about money? Despite the, all the planning that you thought you made, until when since you were in, tw- uh, in you were you were in your twenties, and you're in your forties now, and you're still like, man, I'm still not there, and I'm still worrying. Now, there's a cure for worrying. A cure for worrying is faith in God's provisions. Philippians 4, 6, 7 reads: Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. For us parents, do we really want our children to always watch us, just watching us, worrying about money, worrying about making money, advancing our career, but neglecting our relationship with God? what are we really communicating with them? Is our relationship with God more important or is it making it out in this world? But then when on Sundays we tell them, Hey, you know, God is your priority, but in in our lives, does does it really reflect that? Because our worry does that it communicates. We, you, you might not know it. We might not accept it. We might not like it, but our worry reflects it. Our worry is reflected in our actions and our words or lack of actions or lack of words. The cure for anxiety, this is really in Matthew six twenty-five to 34, but I'll, I'll, I will only read a few for you. I will only read 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. That's one fiery darts, dart of the enemy. Is worrying, letting you know you don't have enough. One hundred fifty thousand in your four hundred one k is not enough. What are you talking about? Work more. Five properties isn't enough. What are you talking about? Three cars? That's it? That's all you have? <laughs> when was the last time you went on vacation? Three months ago. Go again. You only live once. <laughs> right? This. Is, I believe that worrying is one of the most effective fiery arrow, arrow or dart of the enemy. If it is not blocked by the shield of faith, the whisper of the enemy will say, Will God provide for you? Is, what he, is it enough? Are you sure that's enough? Is God providing enough for you? You deserve more than this. Surely God didn't say not to work overtime. Work another Sunday. Joe will pray for you. (laughs) You can worship God in your car on the way to work. Oh, you can do your devotions tomorrow. Now, however we look at it, worrying if you... worrying, Worrying is saying this that God is not to be trusted. Because if you, again, if you have time, read 625, it will say that that God provides everything for us, food, shelter, clothing, everything we need, not everything that we want, but everything that we need. Amen? Now, this requires, for us to not worry, it requires a lot of praying, sincere prayer, and a lot of studying in God's promises to be in the Word, Right? so don't be like bong when bong wanted to go home to the Philippines for the first time he called the Philippine Airlines in San Francisco and he's here in Reno he said I want, I don't know he calls the operator excuse me ma'am how long does it take for uh, for the flight from San Francisco to Manila how long is that now the operator was busy and the operator said uh, just a minute sir and bong says thank you click <laughs> Don't be in a hurry. Don't be in a hurry when you're talking to God. Don't be in a hurry when God's talking to you. Read the word. Read the word. Spend time. You get, you, you get hit with that verse, meditate on it. Take, step back and say, wow, what, what is that telling me? How is that communicating to my life? The second dart, the second dart is Fear. Now, that's in Matthew 8, 23 to 27. I'll read 25. So the disciples came and woke him up saying, Lord, save us. We're going to die after this this big storm, right? He said to them, why are you afraid? You of little faith. Then he got up, Jesus got up and rebuked the winds and the sea. And there was a great calm. Fear is an unpleasant and often strong emotion caused by anticipation or awareness of danger. Physical Or mental or emotional, while a right dosage of fear has positive effect on us. You know, fear can be good. Like when you see California plates when you're on the freeway, right? You become cautious because you're fearful of them, right? Fear can be healthy because you see, you hear in the news that there's a recession in the economy, right? Um, And then it should create some fear in spending, right? No? Okay. <laughs> fear in spending makes one not work too many hours, right? Fear in spending makes one person not use the credit card so fearlessly, right? So there's, there's certain healthy fear, but there are bad. The bad ones are the fear of reject, rejection, fear of failure, or fear of the unknown, and fear of evil. Fear of evil. Um, the results of fear, now fear immobilizes, like when a dog hears firecrackers and they get afraid like my dogs. Um, fear of rejection, on the other hand, compromises us. It compromises uh, and it leads us to sin. Fear of, because fear of rejection makes us fear to speak the truth about what the Bible says about, like right now, gender. How many genders are there? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> this is such a political question. No, it's, it's the truth, right? The truth is in the Bible. Don't fear rejection. They're not going to like me. They didn't like you in the first place. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No. <laughs> fear causes various physical problems. Fear brings confusion. Fear causes us to hide, to cower. I don't want to say Jesus because I like them. I like my friends. I don't want them to find me weird. Fear keeps us from serving God. Fear keeps us from serving God because you see me and you say, man, you've been serving God for seven years. Look at you. you got so many pimples and white hair. Why would I want to serve God? Look at you. <laughs> Why? Right? Fear causes us to flee while we should be standing. Excessive fear is detrimental to our spiritual journey and walk with God. Now, remember Psalm 23:4 Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Do you recite this when you're in the heat of the battle, when you fear? what you're about to face because you're serving God, you're sharing the gospel, you don't know if they're going to still talk to you afterwards. When they ask you, what is a woman? And you say, Eve. <laughs> <laughs> Do you fear? Do you fear these things? And again, in Psalm 27, 3 The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is a stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even even then will I be confident. Is this you? It should be us. This is when we put up the shield of faith. We get that. We get that. God strengthens us. When we make God our refuge, our shield, He protects us because we know that He will. Amen? Amen. The next dart or fiery arrow is doubt. The benefit of the (laughs) Tao. Only Stephanie got it. She smiled, actually. Genesis 5. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say, you must not eat from the... So remember this, I've used this so many times because there's so much to learn here. The enemy always lies. And his biggest lie, his dart to us is he always makes us think that God wants us to have a boring life. Did God really say you have to be married to have sex? Did God really say that you have to give back your money to him? Did God really say that you have to live a holy life while you're already saved by grace anyway? Did God really say? Now again, this is where the study of the word is important. This is why coming to church, hearing messages is important. Because why? Look at Genesis two fifteen to 17. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. Who was there? Man, Adam, right? And the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. You see, positive, positive. You can live your life. God tells us that, live your life. You only have one life, live it, but fear him. Love him first, right? You can love your spouse, but not above him. You can love working, but not more than you love God. You can love your children but not more than you love God. See, you may eat of every tree but the tree of the of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. Why? For in that day you eat it you will surely die. See, did God really say you will hear that from all your friends that are intelligent? All your friends that are intelligent because they, they say they're intelligent. The world standard says they're intelligent. And they will tell you, did the Bible really say that? Is that what the Bible really says? Are you sure? I mean, even the Jehovah's Witnesses will say, go read the Bible. See if that's what's really said. What's being insinuated or implied? You're misinterpreting it. You're, you're wrong. You don't really know. That's what they're saying. It's, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold back. No, no, yeah, I will. <laughs> no, again, in, in, God, did God really say? Is what? Is that what the Bible really said or meant? Those are their lines, and their question implies that we're wrong in our belief in our interpretation. And again, in Ephesians six seventeen, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. In order for you to stop the doubt. Hold up the shield of faith, faith in God, faith in Jesus, faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ, faith in the complete work of Jesus Christ, faith that God's word is, is, there's no mistake in the Bible. There's no errors in God's word. Now, Satan then positions the fiery arrow of doubt for Eve to doubt God's goodness that God intends to keep something good rather than protecting them from something that is harmful now we know that up to now people are dying because of that disobedience from them not dying physically or though we would have been we would have lived forever we would have not died the body would have not died but because of that sin we have to die in this body <sighs> what happens when we doubt our God. What happens when we doubt our God? We sin. When we doubt our God, we sin. First, we go ahead and do it. Whatever it is. Do I need to get married before? Nah, never mind. Do it. Do I need to pray about this? Because I'm, I'm going to lose my fellowship with the church. If I take this job, I'm going to lose time with them. Do I need to do this? Yeah, I'll just do it. <laughs> and then pray about it later. Right? There, when we doubt God... We replace them. We replace We replace God. We don't rely on God anymore. We rely on ourselves because we don't want to pray anymore. We don't want to wait for praying. We don't want, there's no time. We, we need to rush. Time is running. And then we ignore the person of God. We don't find him important. We don't find him significant. Because if he's important, if he's significant, we wait for him. Correct? It's just like having dinner. Uh, with the host of the house, they invited you for dinner, but he's not there yet. He's still cooking barbecue. Are you still just gonna eat before he gets there? But if it's important, you're gonna wait, right? No, we'll wait. Go get him. I'm hungry. Now, but with, when we're when we're doubting God, we're like, I'll just eat. I'll live my life the way I want to live it because God didn't really say, <laughs> right? You get you start justifying. Now, doubting God then causes Christians to doubt ourselves. You know, when we fall into sin, we thought what we thought was going to give us confidence, we end up doubting ourselves. Here's the three results. We become insecure. We feel insignificant because sin will make us not feel important. That's the lie of the enemy. Oh, you deserve it, Renee. You deserve it. It's now or never. And you're going to say, really? Yeah, it's going to make you feel happy. And you're going to say, Okay. And then when you do it, you're like, oh, no. And he's going to say, oh, you, you hypocrite, you. You are so weak. You don't deserve Jesus. So we feel insignificant. We we become discouraged. When we sin, we become discouraged. We don't want to participate in any work that God has for us. We don't want to participate at church. We don't want to do fellowship because we feel unworthy. And the third the saddest thing is we give up some we commit suicide right but like oh, i'm done with this this is never going to change that's the lie of the enemy that lie this is never going to change you're married and, and and arguments continue to happen and the first lie that the enemy will say this will never change and you're gonna say i know right you deserve to be happy. And you're going to say, I know, right? <laughs> then you keep doubting God, and then you sin, and then you feel insecure, and you get discouraged, and you give up. But see, faith is, for we live by faith, not by sight. That's 2 Corinthians 5.7. Do you guys remember George Mueller? George Mueller said that the process of faith begins where probability sees... It is not probable that a little shepherd boy could kill a giant with a slingshot. Probability says no, but faith says yes. What were the odds that David the shepherd, a 16-year-old kid, with a slingshot will kill a very experienced nine feet and a half, maybe taller, Goliath experienced killer? Probability says no, but faith says yes. You know, George Mueller started an orphanage with two shillings, which is uh, 50 cents for us. He, made, he had previously made up his mind that what, when he, in need, he would never ask a human being for help, but only God. Over the years, those two shillings grew into five massive granite buildings covering 13 acres capable of accommodating 2,000 orphans. Through prayer alone, Mueller saw $7 million given. More than once he sat at the table with hungry orphans without a grain of food in front of them and blessed the food that God had on the way only to be interrupted by a knock at the door. We have food for you. Now, a bunch of untrained Jews... Could see a wall fall by walking around it. Remember that? That rain would never come. But the rain came and Noah needed a boat. A man could survive in a den of lions and not be eaten. That's our faith. That's our God. The same God that Daniel served, Shadrach, and the Mish- uh, Abednego, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego served, it's the same God that we're serving. God, the God that David served is the same God that we're serving. Doubt sees the obstacles. Faith sees the way. Doubt sees the darkest night. Faith sees the day. Doubt dreads to take a step. Faith soars high. Doubt questions. Who believes? Faith answers. Now, I said I was going to go back to the importance of, you know, when those, those, the shields, they come together and build a wall. And that's because there's importance of church. I, mentioned, I believe that because the Roman soldier's shield has its edges designed in a way that they could be interlocked together with other shields, a row of soldiers could kneel beside each other, lock in, and, and make a wall. This suggests that we Christians that are in the battle, sometimes we will get hit. And then we will need someone else's to come to our aid and say, look, I need your shield of faith. Can you come cover for me? This is why church is needed. As Satan shoots at us with the flaming arrows that hits our hearts and our minds that we end up doubting because we failed. Sometimes, right? Unfortunately, we fail. We fail. We feel like we're not worthy because we failed. We doubted God and we failed. And there was no quenching it because it's, 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 it's burning us already. That's when a brother and sister will come to us and say, Look, God is good. God loves you. That's why there's that importance of church. Galatians 6, 1-2 reads, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Church, gentleness, okay? Not roughness. (laughs) Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Amen? Amen. (laughs) Church, we have to have faith in God. He is God, amen? When things are good, God is good. When things are bad, the devil will say, God's no good. You're going to say, no, God is still good. You need faith, especially in tough times. Above all, the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. When you go through trouble, it is not the trouble that beats you. It is if you lose faith in God. When you lose faith in God, you can't fight. You can't fight off. You can't fight off the dart of the evil one. You need the shield of faith. Above all, you need the shield of faith. Satan wants to wear you out. Satan wants us to wear not the shield of faith or not the full armor of God. He wants us to wear this unfaithfulness. He wants us to wear the armor of unfaithfulness. This is when He wins. If He can cause us to doubt God, if He can make you think that you can fix it, that you don't need God, that's when He wins. If He can make you think, if He can make you think that you can handle it, that's when He wins. In reality, we cannot do anything apart from God. Amen. Now let's pray for ourselves and for others as we continue to fight in the battles that we have on our own and together amen that's our message for this evening thank you for your patience please join me in the word of prayer as the music team make their way up here uh, if you have any if you have any needs if you have any prayer requests please come up so we can pray for you um, I'm looking out of the room. We don't have any visitors. I believe everybody's a believer. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your message tonight. We thank you for the shield of faith that is in, within our access, Lord God. It works because, Lord, you are true and you are real. You are powerful. I pray that you continue to remind us this, Lord God, when we think we can handle it, when we think we can do it, when we think we're doing it on our own. I pray, Father, that you that you remind us that apart from you we cannot do anything, but with you, Lord God, we can do all things. Father, help us to be reminded of this and to live, Lord God, a life that is faithful to you, that is glorifying to you. And all these things we ask and pray in Jesus Jesus Christ's mighty name. We pray. And all the Lord's people said, "Amen, amen." That's